ladies and gentlemen. We have a nice full crowd here, and we're ready to begin. So if I can get my wife to sit down and be quiet. <laughs> um, <laughs> good luck, yeah. Anyway, uh, uh, my name is Terry, Sh Terry Shillington. I'm honored to be your moderator. Uh, uh, and before I get to the speaker, uh, let me tell you the rules. Uh, we'll hear a 25-minute, 30-minute presentation. Uh, we'd ask you to turn your cell phones to vibrate and, uh, and uh, put $14 in the plate unless you're doing the coffee option, which is $2. And um, uh, so we'll come back at 1 o'clock for uh, Q&A and comments and so on. And uh, going back to the, uh, the basket of money in the, in the table, you can have someone count it to make sure that it adds up to the right, right figure. So let me tell you about our speaker. Uh, the topic, uh, uh, security for our private information, is, is, uh, is a raging topic in our culture. And as late as last night on CBC News, we heard about how easy it is to hack into uh, cell phones. Um, James Patrick. Uh, J James Graham. There is a, there is a hockey there is a hockey player called James Patrick. Um, anyway, James Patrick is associate professor. James, okay. <laughs> Let's start all over again. Uh, uh, James Graham is an associate professor and founding member uh, at the University of Lethbridge Department of News Media. And the other couple of sentences I'm going to read, and as I read them, you'll know why I'm not speaking them, but I'm reading them. Uh, in the private sector, Graham is the founder and CEO of Neospatial Corporation, an augmented reality, virtual reality company, and director of research and development with In-Situ Media Corporation, a Vancouver-based digital innovator in server-side 3D media insertion systems. Now, probably most of you know all about that, but... Uh, <laughs> Anyway, uh, we welcome James Graham uh, to speak. Hi, thank you. So it's Department of New Media, not News Media. We sound like a communications department, but, uh, which is okay. Uh, there, yeah, so I'm talking about something that's uh, preoccupied me for a while. I've given a number of, of talks about uh, digital media, things that are coming up. In my capacity uh, in my company, I'm often an evangelist for uh, new cutting-edge media, and I often get burned by new cutting-edge media because often it doesn't develop as fast as I need it to for one reason or another uh, there. So I'm going to be talking out of uh, wearing two hats today, or three hats, uh, really. And one of those hats is as a Department of New Media uh, professor there. And another hat is as an employee in a firm that does uh, uh, cutting edge, what's called disruptor type of technology, where we come in and we displace the old ways of delivering media to people uh, there. And another uh, side I'll be talking about is uh, through my company, uh, Neospatial. And so I'll be uh, just talking about some of the potentials for those media. So it's very problematic uh, there. I'll be speaking from you know, really three hats. Uh, there, but I think you kind of have to uh, in our era. You know, a lot of us have had to migrate to phones when we didn't want to, and we had those phones become television sets. 
and we had those television sets start listening to us during the day and then we had to figure out how to turn them off so you know we've all had to navigate through that and it seemed like it was going to solve some problems and uh, it certainly did and then it created more problems as it solved but really what I'm talking about uh, here is the uh, fourth industrial revolution as they, they call it and I was uh, asked by the media uh, uh, when was this going to happen and I said oh, it's already happening uh, there because it really is it's starting to sweep uh, over us very very quickly uh, here uh, yeah I, I'm getting some feedback from uh, there but um, the it's it's happening quite uh, quite quickly uh, to us and it will be happening much more so I notice most of us in the room uh, are over 50 so it'll be happening a lot to those people that are, are much younger uh, they're they're growing up in an era where they've never known uh, a, a time when they didn't have digital media and so that digital media is pervasive it's everywhere uh, here this is an analog microphone at some point it will be a completely digital microphone at some point we won't even need microphones you know it just sort of moves on and on as uh, systems get put into place uh, to sort of speed things along that's really what I'm going to be talking about today but part of the the realization for me uh, came was when I was working for this company in situ and I do this as a professor to sort of see what's behind the curtain, as they say in The Wizard of Oz. You, you kind of look behind and you see that, and it's, it's problematic, but at the same time, there's also, it's very, it, it's very illuminating to see how Silicon Valley actually works, and that's the era we work in. We're actually selling a software system uh, there that what it does is, you know, when you use your phone and you get a pop-up block, a pop-up, and it says, oh, you're from, uh, guys from Lethbridge who are 55, et cetera, et cetera, it seems to know everything about me. What it's doing is it's looking at the cookies on your system, which are just these little bits of information, and telling uh, the, uh, the, the main servers back there that uh, you have been looking at this uh, system, you're at this age, it knows a lot about you, so it delivers that media. So I got involved in this because I was uh, trying to solve a problem for the company and then actually started uh, being part of the problem of uh, producing this. What we actually do, and you might see this if uh, the, the technology is purchased, is it digitally embeds uh, 3D ad media directly into social media. And so you'll have a social media cat video or something like this, and products appear there, you won't even know they're there. Uh, there. So it's very problematic, like I said, because on one level, uh, I have this ethical responsibility, and it's, it's what I teach as part of the university. But on another level, I'm working at kind of subliminal advertising, if, if, you, uh, if you call it that. But really what I'm doing is nothing more than uh, what companies are doing when they hire Domino's or Domino's hires them to put a Domino's pizza box in a movie. It's just we're doing it after the fact uh, there. So on that level, it's actually peanuts compared to what I'm going to be talking about today because that's, that's just advertising. But it has really opened up my eyes to uh, what is going to sweep over us very quickly, which is uh, scalability. So if you have a process, and that process is to uh, make something, and that thing that you're making involves 100 people, if you're able to reduce that to 50 people, obviously your profit goes up as long as your quality doesn't go down too much. And if you're able to theoretically remove everybody from that process, so it's a completely automatic process, then not only is that extremely efficient in terms of a profit return, but it's also, and this is the key thing, scalable. And so if you can run that across a computer system, 
you can scale it infinitely so let's say you're making jackets and you have one hundred people well if you want to expand and make more jackets you need two hundred people you need a thousand people you need ten thousand people that's problematic you need places to house them you need so on and so forth when you have a software that plugs into facebook and does something that empowers facebook to strip data from users then uh, and that is a that is an algorithm. It's completely automatic. It's a computer formula. It's scalable. Uh, Facebook has a hundred million people. It's scalable. Facebook has two billion people. It's scalable. It's just a software function. So that's where they make their money is in terms of that massive scalability. That scale and I'll, I'll try to explain this more uh, later. That scale wasn't possible. Uh, on any level 10 years ago. There's been so much change in terms of the speed, of the complexity of uh, the hardware that's actually powering that and the software, and also the educational level of the people working to develop those softwares through Google, Amazon, Facebook, Baidu, uh, other organizations that are all have massive servers and process what's called big data. Uh, here, so I'm just going to uh, move along to the slide. So yeah, here's the uh, this is the the company I'm working for. It really just opened up my eyes for uh, just that scalability factor. The moment that people are completely excluded from a process that is a profit-based kind of process, uh, it becomes perfectly scalable and scales up to uh, you know endless populations uh, there. So I'll try to explain that a little bit better. These are really complex technologies. But the first thing I want to talk about is privacy. So a lot of us have this idea that uh, people are constantly trying to break into our uh, digital uh, databases, our homes, uh, there physically and uh, digitally into our phones, our houses uh, there. And so there's kind of the cliche that there's a burglar out there that's trying to break in. Well, they are. Everybody's trying to break in all the time uh, in the dark side of the, the net. Uh, there, that's what they do. But the thing is that for us, this is really just one-off kind of attacks that are coming, whether it's a government doing a one-off attack and they're trying to get into a database that has a collection of information, they're usually going after something specific, Hillary Clinton's emails or uh, your banking data there. They want something very specific from this. And so the thing I want to get across uh, here is that this is a cliche and it's actually a lost leader which is that this idea of this hooded 20-something uh, who's just there to hack through your data, they certainly are there, and they're hobbyists and they're professional hackers uh, there, but they're just professional thieves uh, working to try to get access to your stuff, right? And so here they're going to damage your data there, and so it's always a young person uh, who's got a hammer or something like that. So anyway, the things I want to talk about are algorithmic reductivism, which is kind of what I was just explaining. When you reduce something down until it's just a formula, it scales up endlessly and is tremendously profitable. To give you an idea, those kind of top blue chip companies like GE, they extract about $200,000 per employee uh, there, and so uh, it's a pretty good return. Uh, companies like Facebook, well, I wouldn't say Facebook, Google, extract about $20 million, $22 million. They have so few employees and yet they create, they gather so much information and they sell so much that they're able to do that. Why did they do that? Well, because they have their hands in pretty much every pot there. So 
I will also talk about quantum processing uh, here and just the kind of revolution that's going to happen with quantum processing if they can solve some of the problems. <laughs> GPU scalability, so if you are a video gamer, uh, there you use a GPU. It just uh, allows you to um, play video games very quickly, but it also allows the military to target uh, ISIS individuals. It also uh, it put in rows, in series, it's scalable. That's what scalability is, is that all they have to do is just buy endless numbers of these graphics cards and they're able to uh, increase the number of calculations that they're doing in order to harvest data from you. Big data. So this ability now to have massive servers, the cloud, where uh, there's huge servers filled with data there. Uh, I'll explain how important that is to artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is a uh, category uh, there that has some subcategories, which I'll also explain there. Pervasive media systems, so uh, uh, personal assistance in your homes and just how those tie into big data and how those tie into these algorithmic systems there. And finally, digital social engineering uh, there. And I'll talk about Google's sidewalk labs uh, process as a metaphor for how a company of systems uh, will create a larger system that will ultimately incorporate you into their operating system until ultimately all you are is data for their harvesting. So I have a dark vision uh, here, obviously. Uh, there, obviously Google has done a lot of good. It's done uh, wonders in terms of uh, searchability. It's done fantastic things in terms of uh, ultimately uh, self-driving cars will uh, probably be a boon to some degree in society there. But I just want a, a quick statement I wrote here to try to sort of sum it up. When humans are treated as data and the environment that they occupy uh, are designed like uh, operating systems and optimized for digital efficiency, efficiencies and data harvesting, then the ubiquity and complexity of the system transcends their ability to understand what is public and what is private. And so I guess my point here is that, yeah, there's you know that idea of that person trying to break into our stuff. There's always going to be protections, and there's always going to be people offering us protections there. But the main thing to uh, I want to get across here is that the people offering those protections and offer, offering an operating system that you can inhabit, an actual kind of digital house that you can inhabit in which they provide all things, autonomous vehicles, they provide uh, all your search uh, information, they provide your education there, are actually the thieves. That's their job, is that they have uh, you, you're living in their apartment, and they're just constantly harvesting data from you. So it is very creepy uh, on that side, and I think very problematic, because the people at the top don't really see, see this uh, as a problem uh, there, which I do. So, uh, you know, there's lots of attempts to, uh, you know, these, these sort of personal assistants here, this idea that we'll have children that are trackable and that you will constantly monitor their health, monitor the health of the elderly, elderly. but obviously some flaws have come up in that process. Germany has now uh, banned these devices and they're uh, telling all parents to destroy them. Uh, they're because people are listening into the children in their classrooms, there the parents are monitoring uh, teachers, and people are tracking them in the same way that hunters can track uh, collared bears. So it's, it's 
people have obviously thought of this, but uh, the fact that this is actually uh, now a concern that has the German government telling people to destroy it means that there aren't checks and balances to really do due diligence in advance. Here's how fast things have advanced there for an internet minute, as they call it. You know, how many Uber rides uh, there, so that's doubled. How many videos viewed uh, there on Snapchat has gone from 500,000 to 7 uh, million uh, there. Just the rate of that, uh, that usage of these different uh, companies there, uh, in some ways they provide almost no service and yet have massive values just based on the optimism that people have uh, that they will solve our, all of our problems. So Vine, Spotify, Google, Tinder uh, there, it's really become this kind of whole social network there. Uh, live footage cameras in uh, Nova Scotia hacked uh, there, people watching uh, those. Just these uh, devices that are intended to protect the children ultimately become portals for people to see into there. Hackers remotely killing Jeeps on highways uh, there. Once again, they're so anxious to get this, uh, this completely pervasive system in which there are intelligent devices uh, working in our systems uh, there that they haven't realized that there are back doors to these uh, elements there. And then you have these uh, people who on one hand, uh, you know, Schmidt is uh, saying we have to be careful about artificial intelligence. He has, he's the Google executive CEO uh, there and urging democracies to tap young talent to tackle looming security changes, challenges. Well, those security challenges are often posed by companies like uh, Google. And so in a way, he's actually asking government to offload the cost and for them to take care of the security while Google just moves forward at 100 miles an hour trying to create stuff, right? So uh, this one, U.S. regulators approve first digital pill to monitor patients. So you swallow this uh, thing and it's activated by stomach acids and it's a digital monitoring device that, uh, and it's always used with this idea that it is, it is going to improve things uh, that schizophrenics will be able to track in terms of their medications so they won't go off and you won't have police incidents and people getting hurt there. Uh, but obviously this idea of tracking people, the idea of this being tied to our healthcare system is a violation of privacy and yet it's so pervasive. It seems like it'll be a good thing. It seems like it'll help in some way. But it is so pervasive that uh, companies like insurance companies will tie into these things. They're already doing that, tying into smart devices to say, if you wear this, you'll get a discount on your devices. Sorry, discount on your coverage, which we know uh, people buy into. Uh, the idea that phones, you know, this new uh, Apple X phone that actually scans your face three-dimensionally is somehow going to make your device more uh, secure but then they've been able to fool it with a phony mask with some uh, elements on there. But this is another lost leader because nobody's going to go and make a phony mask to fool your phone. It's just absurd uh, there. I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to say, look, it is fallible. But what's really concerning is actually the reverse, which is that Apple is making something that is scanning you biometrically and linking that to your voice data and then confirming that when you've said something, you said that at this time, at this GPS location uh, there, and it is corroborated uh, through an entire network of servers. And so that's very disturbing, and yet it's one of the biggest selling phones. They can't get enough of them uh, there. Uh, now Google's just been, uh, just the other day, uh, once again, they said, we're not tracking you individually. They are tracking you individually uh, there. And I'll explain why they're tracking you individually. 
So I'm going to be talking about uh, companies that you wouldn't even think are part of this uh, kind of massive network that is going to become uh, overwhelming for us. Amazon. Amazon started off obviously selling uh, things. They bypassed uh, Walmart. Remember when Walmart was coming in and they were going to displace all those hardware stores? Well, they did to some degree. But now Amazon is displacing Walmart. The reason being is, coming back to that algorithmic reductivism I was talking about, is that it's totally efficient. It's a software process. In fact, they don't even review their own products. They have their people review those products. So those products, it's a, it's a self-continuing uh, self system in which the people are doing all the work to tell other people that they should buy stuff. So they don't even have to advertise, right? They just have to give the lowest price, which is easy because they don't have warehouses uh, there. But more concerning is they have massive, massive servers uh, there. And those servers collect data. And those, they aren't just used to collect uh, information about where to send that thing to. They're collecting it on your purchasing uh, desires. They're collecting it on your intellectual property uh, there. And so this is collecting a massive database, which I'll talk about big data. So Baidu is the largest internet uh, service provider, and not coincidentally, also uh, the largest artificial intelligence uh, developer. They're using that, ser that server data to harvest information uh, to create intelligent applications to monitor what you do. Uh, there, Facebook, same thing. They really want your data uh, there. They, Facebook, the interesting thing about Facebook, and the reason it's so powerful is because, and you can see this kind of matrix in the back there, is that it's all of those peer-to-peer -peer connections there. Is people saying, I really like this product, I really like this product. Word pops up saying Honda. Another one says Honda. They can actually map that and say there's like 50,000 people that love Hondas here. And so uh, we're going to introduce those to other people. We're going to sell that information to Honda uh, there. Uh, Google, they have their hand in everything. Microsoft, uh, they're, they're uh, making money hand over fist because they're now uh, no longer just a software company. They're now a server company. They've created this massive cloud of, of stuff. Cryptocurrencies. So Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin, and this is the flip side of security, which is that Bitcoins are a cryptocurrency, so they are a completely digital currency that uh, is difficult to hack, not impossible to hack, but difficult to hack. So some people are wary of them, some people aren't. Each Bitcoin is now worth $8,000. People have so much confidence in this cryptocurrency there. And inevitably what happens is along come other companies and they start producing systems in which you can actually ensure that your money arrived at the other side and that that, has, that transaction has been recorded uh, there, so things like this. Uh, people are making money by uh, farming, harvesting bitcoins. So, I mean, if you started printing money, you would be arrested. But these guys are actually going and using these graphics cards that are used for video games, putting them into a network, and then doing what's called bitcoin mining. So they actually have these things going and cycling, and it actually creates so much data and does so much packaging of these coins, it actually somehow creates currency. And that's the end of the limit of my understanding of that. And this is just something in somebody's basement that actually does that uh, here. I know I'm throwing a lot at you. I wish I could go into all these in uh, detail. But I just want to point out the difference. This is one thing that's really made a difference here, is that you've got uh, peak performance there. If you can see that blue uh, uh, graph line down at the bottom there, 
That is the development uh, based on Moore's law that everything every 18 months will double in terms of efficiency. And that green line is those uh, video cards. Because what happened was they suddenly realized in the mid-90s that those video cards that had been developed for games were actually 30 times more efficient than the CPUs for doing something called floating point calculation. So uh, they started applying those to scientific uh, purposes there. And uh, so now in terms of their application for science, uh, they're very powerful. But they're also powering uh, artificial intelligence and they're, they're powering uh, digital mapping for auto autonomous driving vehicles there. This guy is the uh, CEO of the year, Chen, and he's the uh, head of NVIDIA uh, there. I advised my friend to buy NVIDIA a year and a half ago at $65. He's kicking himself it's to 212 now. It will only go up. That's not a, a investing advice, but it will only go up just because they are in artificial intelligence, they're in uh, Bitcoin mining, they're in basically everything that is exploding exponentially, and they're the leaders. Just nobody else can touch them right now. So, blockchain. And so uh, they did a big test on Wall Street, which we know doesn't work very well with the big meltdown last time when they used an algorithm to figure out uh, when things were working or weren't. But anyway, they've, they've decided that blockchain, which is a system for uh, ensuring that uh, payments start on one end, go to another end, and that they're traceable uh, through the whole process. So they've now totally bought into this, and there's the cost-based savings there. So uh, there's an, like an $8 billion savings in terms of uh, transactions that would normally be $30 billion there. And so IBM is now pushing this stuff, trying to get BC to use blockchain to track marijuana sales, right? So you always get this, which is it's going to do a social good uh, there because we'll know who's using the marijuana uh, there. Cloud computing, and so this is how it works. Just all these things feed into a virtual uh, network of servers. Uh, they used to be in, well, they are in India, they're in America, they're in China, uh, there. But after a while, companies started insisting, no, we have to have these in Canada, or we have to have these in America. My university uh, is one of those that realized that was a big mistake. Uh, there, big data uh, here. So uh, uh, benefits for the cloud, productivity everywhere. You know, it's very positive disaster assistance. It's always up, meaning your hard drive hasn't collapsed uh, there. But the important thing to understand is uh, hackers used to have to go to your hard drive to get individual files there. Now, the hackers are actually the companies that own those servers and actually use that to mine their cloud. Okay, great, uh, here. So, mine time flies when you're having fun. So here's the network just of people. This is the way that it all works, interconnected. That's how Facebook works. Big data analytics uh, there, so uh, cost reductions faster uh, there, uh, and so they're really pitching these things. These are server racks, uh, they're filled with uh, GPUs that are just processing round the clock uh, there, so it's scalable uh, elements there. And so this one is artificial intelligence, which is a main category there. Then you have deep learning, uh, supervised, unsupervised learning uh, there. So uh, the supervised learning used to be used to tell a computer, okay, work on these parameters. Uh, but unsupervised basically allows it to go and create uh, connections itself. Uh, there, uh, natural language processing, so uh, voice to text right now is, is very powerful. If you have Alexa in your home and it's constantly listening to you and it's doing voice to text, 
that text is then turned into data. That data is then mineable, uh, meaning that uh, any country or any uh, corporation can go and do a search for certain keywords and find that information and harvest that and put it in context with others uh, there. Uh, artificial intelligence is the main category there, so starting off in the 50s. Machine learning uh, there, so, uh, and I'll explain that in a second there. And then deep learning breakthroughs through the AI boom uh, there, sorry, I uh, slided that one. Uh, so artificial intelligence is the overall category there. And then machine learning is the subset of AI which use statistical methods to enable machines to improve with experiences. And then finally, deep learning is based on what are called neural networks, neural networks that are based on the way that our brain is actually constructed uh, there. And it's now being used uh, in a variety of different applications by companies like Google there. Every one of these major companies is involved in deep learning and they've uh, scaled up their people dramatically there. I won't go too much into this, but this is basically just the sort of matrix between how information is compared between evidence-based deep learning, machine learning systems, prescriptive analytics there. So you can see that they have different models that uh, computers function on uh, there. Quantum computing, this one is the mind blower uh, there. This is D-Wave, this is Jason Burnaby uh, there, and uh, it was started by a uh, football player who went into physics, and uh, he uh, basically uh, managed to develop a system that allowed quantum computing to work. It had been a theory for a long time, but this one made it operable. So here, just to get an idea about how the D-Wave functions there, is that our standard computers work on bits, ones and zeros uh, there. But uh, this works on qubits. And so it's basically able to perform two to the power of 2,000 operations simultaneously. That's its theoretical limit. It's at 1,000, two to the power of 1,000. So that's more calculations than atoms in the known universe by several orders of magnitude uh, there. So that's the scale there. I won't get into Schrodinger's cat too much. Uh, there. So I want to just jump ahead a little bit here because I'm running out of time uh, there and talk about, besides just Alexa and all that stuff, here, robotics, we've seen all of this uh, coming up there. Try to think of all of this connected there. Autonomous vehicles uh, here, self-driving, powered by lasers scanning the uh, earth uh, and uh, in a frequency but very inefficient because they have to scan our known world. So what happens if you create a world that's optimized for those vehicles, not for us, but for the vehicles there? And so these are the different stages of autonomous vehicles uh, there, what would driver's uh, list cars look like. Finally, I'm gonna just finish off with uh, sidewalk labs here. This is the main thing I wanna get to, which is Toronto has given uh, sidewalk labs, which is a subset of Alphabet, which also owns Google, uh, 800 hectares of a downtown area to make into a digital city. Like, what city does that, anyway? And so here they are talking about this, and they're talking about how cities are comparable to the operating system, and how uh, cities function very much like digital uh, devices. And so uh, he goes on to sort of compare the history of New York and, and uh, there. So oh, it's uh, hard to see there, but uh, that's it, located in downtown uh, Toronto. And so here's the, uh, the way that they're mapping that out uh, there for the system. And 
so they were looking to revolutionize the city and here's some of the illustrations of how they talk about how cities are similar to the way that computer devices work there. So I'll jump ahead a little bit there. Um, and then I just want to uh, point out that really this is a, a computer chip. This is a standard CPU operating system chip. But when you actually start zooming in on that thing, you realize exactly what they're doing uh, here is that they're basically want to make a city into a computer chip uh, there. And so I wish I had more time to go into AI, quantum computing, those other elements. But I guess the main point uh, here, and it is such a big field, is that it's not these time, these uh, this sort of lost leader of individuals trying to take our personal freedom, because obviously those people are, but it's the larger corporations like Facebook, uh, Google, Amazon, Microsoft, Baidu, that are connected with governments that are entities unto themselves and feel themselves not even beholden to governments, refusing to turn over data because uh, they're, they're strongly libertarian, uh, will uh, basically what they, they feel we should do is we should try to adapt ourselves to a completely autonomous system there in which we just uh, sit back, it figures out what we want, and then uh, it provides the city that we need. So it's a little uh, disturbing, but uh, I'm sure it'll work out.